Hello, everyone. Welcome to Discovering Humanity and Health, a podcast dedicated to educating students about the applications of cultural competence, as well as the prevalence of disparities in healthcare. I'm your host, Shani B. Hello, thank you so much for joining the Discovering Humanity and Health podcast. To get us started, could you introduce yourself for us? Hey, my name is Risa Williams. I'm a licensed therapist and coach. I'm also a book author. Um, I'm the author of the book, The Ultimate Anxiety Toolkit, 25 Tools to Worry Less, Relax More, and Boost Your Self-Esteem, and the upcoming book, The Ultimate Time Management Toolkit, which will be in stores this summer. So thank you for having me. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to read your books. Um, I also wanted to ask you, um, why did you choose to become a therapist? Like what led you to this path? So I initially started in the performing arts. I was a ballet dancer for a while and I was also a writer. And as I was trying to make it as a writer, I was reading a lot of books on psychology to develop better characters. And I got really interested in psychology in general. At some point I went to therapy myself and the process was really fascinating to me. And I thought, huh, well, maybe I could do this too. In addition to writing, maybe I could learn to help people in this way because I, I gained a lot from going to therapy. So I went back to graduate school and got a master's in clinical psychology. And that kind of led me down the path to becoming a therapist. And the more I learned about psychology, the more it helped me as a person. And it also helped my writing and I find the two go together really well. I like to write now about psychological stuff, which I never saw coming, um, but it's just kind of the turn it's taken for me that I get to fuse both of those passions together. That's really amazing. Um, so I recently took a psychology class at school and I learned that there are different approaches to therapy. So I wanted to ask, what is your preferred approach? So I tend to integrate a lot of models, but what I'm basically trained in is cognitive behavioral therapy. I use a lot of CBT in the work I do with people. I also use mindfulness, um, some rational emotive behavioral therapy, which is very close to CBT in some ways, and a little bit of narrative therapy and creative arts therapy. So I think what you'll find with a lot of therapists these days is a lot of them tend to use different modalities together and integrate them together. Um, but CBT remains really popular with a lot of therapists. Awesome. That's great to know. So I know that I'm also like a student as well. So um, along with the rest of our audience. So I just wanted to ask, like, what are your uh, favorite time management tips? Because sometimes there's just a lot going on in our lives and it can be hard to really focus on one thing. Yeah. So time management's become a huge thing. I think ever since the pandemic hit, a lot of people are having trouble focusing. A lot of people were doing Zoom school. You know, people who are older than you, their colleges all went on Zoom classes as well. So I think it's been really tricky for a lot of people to manage their time in the last couple of years. And so people are seeking more and more tools. So uh, a tip I like to give people um, is to start to see your time as something that you're emotionally experiencing, right? So certain things you're doing, it's not just about having a to-do list full of tasks that you're checking off. All of the tasks on your to-do list are affecting you emotionally in different ways. So someone might find, you know, organizing their debts to be super stressful 
someone else might find doing math homework to be super stressful. I like to view it as how stressful is a task for you to do? And then what you want to start to think of is how can you organize your schedule? For instance, for you doing your homework, how can you organize it in a way where you're not trying to do like three stressful tasks back to back on top of each other, where you're either giving yourself breaks or you're doing a less stressful task in between the two stressful ones. So if you start to see things you have to do in terms of how much stress they're causing you, it's a different way to approach your time, but one that will help you feel better by the end of the day rather than feel worse. Because what people tend to do is overbook their time and do too many stressful things all in a row. And that's going to lead you to a bad place emotionally. So if you're having trouble organizing your time or even getting started, it might be because you're tr trying to do really stressful things either all at once, too much together, or you're, you maybe need to look at reversing the order of things so that you're ramping up to do the stressful thing first. It kind of just depends on your personality and which tasks are stressful to you. So for you, which tasks homework-wise feel the most stressful, would you say? Mm, I'd say my math homework is actually probably the most stressful for me. Yeah, so some people have the approach where they like to do the most stressful thing first because their logic is, well, I have more brain energy that way, right? Like if I wait till last to do my math homework, I've now used up all my brain energy doing the stuff that's easier and now I have to do the hard thing and I'm more tired. Mm -hmm. So what does that sound like to you? Do you tend to do it first or last? I feel like I tend to do it last. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that sometimes lead to feeling like you're procrastinating a little bit? It does. <laughs> so you might want to try that. Switch up the order and see if that helps. And also give yourself lots of breaks. So before you do the stressful thing, give yourself a break and make sure after you do the stressful thing, you give yourself a little breather. So we can let our brains reset from the stress. Yeah, oftentimes when I do try to time manage and I end up not being able to do everything that I envision myself doing, I get a lot of anxiety. And I'm sure that a lot of other people might feel the same way and not just with homework or tasks, but just in general with things that might be unknown or uncertain to them. So do you have any anxiety tips for us? Sure. So um, the first tool in my book is called the stress ruler because I believe stress ties into anxiety and the more stress you're feeling, probably the more you're gonna feel that anxious feeling. So if you imagine a ruler with one at the bottom and 10 at the top, 10 would be the most stressed out you feel, like you're so stressed out you can't focus anymore, you're freaking out. And one would be the calmest you feel. Most of us are not at a one all the time and we're not at a 10 all the time. We kind of go up and down on this ruler throughout the day. And it's about catching the little notches in between the one and the 10 so that you can learn to bring your stress down a little bit at a time, right? So in between a five and a 10 is something, there's a number I call the red zone number, which might be a seven or eight. And when you get to that number, that's your best chance at catching yourself and bringing the stress down before it gets all the way to level 10. So what are some signs you're at the red zone number? Well, some people lose their sense of humor. They forget to eat dinner. They forget to do things. Um, what do you think it looks like for you? Is it, do you feel grumpy on the outside? Do you start snapping at people? Yeah, I definitely get very tired and you can tell that 
with other interaction. Yeah. So you start to lose interest or it's harder to engage. So then you're maybe at a seven or eight. So what I have people do, and you can find the worksheet on my website, which is risawilliams.com. Um, you, you fill out the worksheet and you write down the different notches on the ruler. So seven might be, I start to look really tired. People are talking to me. I can't focus. What does an eight look like? What does it look like when it gets worse than that? Well, my brain keeps repeating the same thought over and over again. I have trouble relaxing. You know, what is one lower than a seven look? Well, at a six, maybe I have some anxious thoughts, but I can also still enjoy a TV show without it bothering too much. So you kind of learn the subtle differences of what all these notches feel like. And then you learn little tricks to calm yourself down when you're still sort of in the middle level of the scale rather than the top. Because a lot of us don't know how anxious we are until we're at a 10. And that's partially the problem is that your anxiety has been climbing this whole time, but you've been kind of not paying attention to it. And then by the time it's at a 10, it feels really hard to calm down if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Thank you. And I know that a big theme in some of your books are cognitive restricting. And mm -hmm. I personally am unfamiliar with that term. So I was hoping you could elaborate a bit on that. So cognitive reframing and cognitive restructuring, what that's like is based on the ABC model of CBT, which is A is like an event that happens. So let's say you're driving in a car and someone cuts you off in traffic. A would be, I get cut off in traffic. B would be the thought you think like, oh, what's wrong with that person? They almost hit my car. And C would be the emotion you feel, which is I'm so mad that person almost hit my car. So you have to remember A, B, C, right? So B is the thought you're thinking that causes the emotion C. You can't change A a lot of the time, right? Like we're just going through life, A happens to us sometimes. B is the part where you have a chance to change what you're thinking so that you feel a different C, which is emotion. So for instance, someone almost hits your car, you could think, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky they didn't hit my car. Thank gosh, I caught that, right? Then C, you'd feel like neutral or you'd feel somewhat relieved instead of angry. Obviously, it's hard to do this all the time, but sometimes if you've had a bad day, you can kind of walk this backwards and think, I feel really bad right now. I'm so stressed out. Well, what was I thinking before this feeling happened that caused me to feel this way? And what was the event that caused the thought that caused the feeling? So in cognitive restructuring, we're looking at trying to shift that B, that um, thought that caused the emotion so that we can feel a better emotion. Thank you. That was very insightful. And my last question for you is, do you have any advice for aspiring therapists? I would say definitely try going to therapy yourself and see if you like the experience from that end. It's also good to know what it's like to be a client too, because you're going to be treating people and they're going to have that experience, right? So you want to know what it's like on the other side of that. And I think a helpful thing to know about therapy is you don't just have to go to therapy when things are bad or when you're freaking out. Sometimes it's good to go to therapy to talk about good stuff, to learn how to say good things about yourself, to learn that there's somebody supportive there who's cheering you on, who's seeing the good things you're doing in life too. A lot of people have trouble talking about themselves in a positive way. So it can be a good experience to build your self-esteem, to have a safe place 
where you can say things like, I was proud of myself today. I was really, it was amazing. I finished this project or I did this homework or I can't figure this thing out, but I'm working on it. To have a safe place where you feel supported is really important for our self-esteem. So I want to kind of tell people that this whole old fashioned idea that therapy is just when you're in crisis is changing a lot. And a lot of people are going to therapy now to work on other things like goals or how do I feel more successful or more proud of myself sometimes. And that's all valid too. You can go to therapy for all sorts of things like that. I would say my the first thing would be to read a lot of books on psychology, read self-help books, and then try it out yourself and see if you like the experience before you embark uh, upon it as a career. Thank you so much. I think that'll help a lot of people who are trying to get into this field. And you gave a lot of really great feedback just for students and people who uh, deal with stress and anxiety on a daily level, too. So thank you so much. Thanks. And thanks for having me. And thanks for being so curious and reaching out to people and providing this as a resource. I think it's so important when you're younger to just be really curious about how things work. And podcasts like this are great because you're asking people kind of like the insider information that you wouldn't normally hear you know sure so that's wonderful and good luck to you in your search for thank what you, you want to do in this profession <laughs> thank you all right and that concludes this episode of discovering humanity and health thank you so much for listening make sure to check out other episodes at www.humanityandhealth.org